comes from Luke chapter 8, 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others there are... But for others, there are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and if time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the good word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, we come to you tonight. Um, I want to thank you for your word. Um, and for the people in this room, um, people who've been here before, and people who are new faces tonight. Um, I want to thank you for Chris Horn, and um, bless his words tonight, um, and touch hearts and change hearts. Um, give us courage to allow ourselves to rest, um, and to love our friends and to listen better. Um, give us faith to love you better. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, really good to see you guys. Welcome again to RUF. It's been said a lot of times tonight. But a special welcome to you if you are new, if this is one of your first times. I know it's only the second meeting of the semester. So we're really glad you're here. Just also wanted to say that, um, you know, we are, tonight we're going to be talking about how different kinds of people respond to Jesus. We good? Good. We're going to be talking about how different kinds of people respond to Jesus. And I just want to say from the outset, it can't be said enough, we don't expect you guys to fit a mold. This isn't just a meeting for Christian students or people that would consider themselves Christians, but we expect and we welcome and are excited for all different kinds of students to be here, no matter where you are sort of on the religious or non-religious spectrum. We're not surprised that you're here. We're happy that you're here. So uh, again, welcome. Um, A lot of freshmen in the room. And uh, you guys are going to be finding out soon, if you have not already discovered, that you have limits that you are a limited individual as a human being. Maybe you did really well in high school and everything came easy. And you're going to find out in about two, two months or so that there's only so much time you can go without sleeping. There's only so much you can handle to, to drink, perhaps, um, that you have limits. Uh, human beings are limited uh, things. That's how God made us. And there's actually a limit to the things that we can see. Okay? There, we can't see everything. Um, we, the, the colors that we perceive in our eye, this is about to get real esoteric, so hang on. Um, the colors that we perceive are only part of the light spectrum. We understand this, right? 
Um, like if you look at a rose and it appears to you to be red, it's actually absorbing all the other colors that you can see and only reflecting red. So it's hard to say whether it's actually red or every other color except red. Um, but we can't see all the spectrum. Hang in here. Hannah Phillips, hang in here. Um, we can't see ultraviolet light. Okay, everyone's looking at Hannah. I'm sorry, Hannah. Um, she was paying very close attention. Um, ultraviolet light, right? You can't see it. You need help seeing ultraviolet light. But actually, a lot of insects can see ultraviolet light. So when they see that rose, a lot of times they can see a pattern in ultraviolet light on the rose that tells them that's the one that they should pollinate. It's pretty cool, right? Okay. Um, we may need help seeing things that are there, but we can't see them. Does that make sense? Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's real. And just because it's real doesn't mean we can see it with our natural eyes. I say all that because we are looking at parables in the Gospel of Luke this semester. And parables are, are stories that Jesus told where he uses something that we can see and understand to help us see something that we can't see. Okay, so last week, if you were here, Jesus told a parable about a lost sheep and about a lost coin. But he wasn't talking about a sheep and a coin. He was talking about how God feels about lost people. And we can't see generally whether someone is lost or not, right? He uses the parable to help us see something that's invisible to us. And tonight, the story that Jesus tells on the surface is about a farmer sowing seeds in a field. But what Jesus is trying to help us see is that God the Father sows His Word. He proclaims His Word out there, and people's hearts are like different kinds of soil. And people respond differently to Jesus. We can't see what's going on in there. We can't even hardly perceive what's going on in our own heart, much less someone else's. But Jesus shows us something we can't see. And I want to be honest, um, you guys know this, but let's just acknowledge the fact. Uh, a lot of you guys through this semester will hear Charlotte reading the word and me sort of talking about it or us singing the word together. And a lot of you guys will respond to it by trusting Jesus and he will bear fruit in you. But many of you, maybe even most of you will actually not respond. That's just the re- statistically speaking, that's just the reality And the question is, why? Why is it that it's the same word, it's the same Jesus, and yet we will all respond differently to him and to his word? And it's interesting because Jesus, he's telling the story. Luke says this is the first parable that he told. There's so many people listening to Jesus that he has to get onto a boat, or so Matthew tells us. And he's speaking to this crowd, and he tells them, this parable, that some of them are going to get it and understand, and some of them will not. And um, what I want to look at tonight is basically two things. How we can miss Jesus' message. Okay, like, if this word is going out, how do you miss it? And then how do you get it? How do you understand receive what Jesus is doing, what he's saying? So first, how, how to miss the message. We're just a two harder tonight. Um, I love this image of God. Okay, I don't know what you think about God. Again, we're glad you're here no matter what you believe. We're glad you're here with your questions, and your questions are welcome. Um, But maybe you think God's stingy. But what Jesus is saying, 
in this parable is that God is like this farmer, okay? And he's sowing his word, and he's not going along in these like careful furrows, dropping one seed exactly where he wants. He's actually, this, this, he's got this big bag of seed, he's scooping his arm in, and he's just throwing it out. He's throwing it everywhere. It's landing in places where it's obviously seemingly not going to do any good. God is, in a sense, reckless and abundant with his word as he sows it out into people's hearts. And it's the same seed. So this is one of establishes at the beginning. The same seed going everywhere. The same potential for growth and for fruit in every seed. The seed is always the same. But what makes the difference is the kind of soil that it lands on. Okay, he talks about the path. So if you see there in, in the passage, we're, we're really going to kind of bounce back and forth between he tells the crowd and what he tells the disciples. But there's a path, right? This is where the, the farmer, he would walk. Okay, when people walk through the farm, they would walk on this path. And it's so sort of trampled down and hard packed that when seed lands on it, it just sits on top. And when people walk over it, they crush it and birds come and they take it off. And this is the kind of heart soil, Jesus says, that basically is just sort of indifferent to the word. Okay? They hear the word. Like it goes in one ear and out the other. They may be distracted. They may not be interested. But this is what, you, what we would call a hard heart. God's word comes to the heart and it basically just bounces right off and has no effect. Okay? That's some of us in the room tonight. Maybe some of you guys now, you're like, I'm hearing this now, but there was a point where it was just bouncing uh, right off. It goes in one, in one ear and out the other has no effect, no plant, no nothing. Okay, um, So that's how you can miss God's word. Miss Jesus is just by being hard and indifferent to the whole thing. Um, but then he talks about this, the rock. Okay, this isn't just like he drops seed on a rock, by the way. Um, obviously, that's not going to work. Or on the rock, by the way, because there's already grass. Um, okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> No, this is like if you were farming in Boone. If people have farmed in Boone or in Asheville or somewhere where it's very mountainous, um, what looks like good soil on top, maybe six or eight inches below the surface, is actually a big old rock. Okay, So you, you sort of till up the ground, you throw the seed in, and at first, Jesus says it sprouts up, right? It, with joy. It's this little happy plant, you know? All the other plants are so small, and this one's popping right up. It's doing great. It's looking healthy. It's a very happy, joyful plant, as joyful as a plant can be. Um, but what he says is below the surface, it pops up because it can't grow down. It can only grow up, right? And over time, it can't put down any roots into the soil. It can't get any moisture. So when the sun comes out, it scorches it. It withers away because it had no rootedness. It's a superficial growth. It's only on the surface. Um, this basically is uh, like the path. But it has this nice sort of Christian-y top coat to it. Like a little bit of Christian soil on the top of a hard heart. Uh, this heart soil has some interest in Jesus. Okay? Maybe you guys will resonate with this. Some interest in Jesus, but not really interested to let Jesus get down deep into the parts of myself where I don't want him to be. Jesus is only welcome in certain parts. He can't go down deep into my life, into my heart. Um, Maybe Jesus is a pick-me-up when I need it. I'm feeling guilty about some stuff, so then I come to RUF or I go to church. I read my Bible. That makes me feel better. Okay, Jesus is sort of like a, like a Xanax. Um, more about Xanax later. Just That's called a tease for the later in the sermon. Um, 
Or maybe, maybe you feel like believing in God helps you make sense of the world and helps you win arguments in class. But you're not really interested in Jesus. You're just interested in maybe looking smart. Um, maybe Jesus is a, is a good fit for your spiritual life, but he's not welcome to comment on my dating or on my sexual life. Um, maybe you're, I'm not interested in Jesus challenging my views on race. I'm not interested in Jesus challenging my political views or really getting involved in that. I'd like him to stay away from that, please. Like if you have views and you call yourself a believer and they are in some way informed by the person and work of Jesus, then they're probably a hazard to Jesus in your life. But we can deal with that later. Um, maybe Jesus can't have your grudge. Okay, I've harbored this grudge. If Jesus knew how they treated me, then he wouldn't ask me to give this grudge up. He wouldn't ask me to give my anger up. He wouldn't ask me to stop resenting my parents for the things they did. Um, and I wonder, you know, if we were honest with ourselves, if I was honest with myself, how many places in our hearts Jesus isn't allowed to go? It's like, I want him here and there, but I don't want him everywhere. Um, I, I get this sometimes. I, t- I talk to, to students, and they'll tell me something, and, and I'll be like, okay, that sounds really hard. Like, how does Jesus, like, involved in that? And they're like, I... I'm good. Just go somewhere else. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Uh, one time I, I was talking to a guy and he was making, this was not a student, this was someone older, um, but he was making a really rash decision. And I, I said, hey man, I hope that you're not doing this because you're angry. And he said, I did not give you permission to discuss my emotions. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I will ask next time for your permission to discuss your emotions. Um, you should stop presenting them so strongly, and then I wouldn't... Um, anyway. Um, there are places that Jesus isn't allowed to go. And for this heart soil, for the, for, the, for the rocky soil, Jesus is, at best, a spiritual scarf. Okay, you guys know, like, there's always the girl that always wears the scarf. Okay? Um, there's the guy that always wears the hat. Blake Poppin, the hat guy. Um, and uh, Jesus is really an accessory. He's something we put on because we want him to sort of round out our persona. But really, he can just be taken off and put on anytime we want him to be. That's the best case scenario for the rocky soil. The worst case scenario is he, we make God what Tim Keller calls a Stepford God. You guys know about Stepford Wives? You ever seen that movie? They remade it with Nicole Kidman. I didn't see it. But um, in Stepford Wives, these guys are tired of their wives nagging them about things, right? So they build these robot versions of their wives. They just do whatever they want to do and say, yes, dear, and they make them cookies and sandwiches and all these kinds of things. Um, And in that case, we make God in our own image. So God is really just like us, except for he has superpowers to, like, change things in my life if if I want him to. The, the, the rocky heart soil misses the message because they don't allow Jesus to penetrate and deal with them and let him have dominion over their heart. They still want to sit on a throne. So the, the last guy he talks here is the, is the thorns. I had a great conversation with Stephen Furr, wherever Stephen Furr is, I know he's here. And um, we were talking about restoration agriculture. Shout out to sustainable agriculture majors. Love what you're doing. Um, that was real. Um, but he was, tell- he was telling me about he worked on a farm over the summer, and uh, they planted these onions. Okay, The onion was the cash crop. 
But what you do after you harvest the cash crop is you plant a cover crop, you know, like grass or clover. You guys are tracking with me. Some of you guys are from North Carolina where they actually still farm. And, um, but what they were doing on this farm is they planted the, the, the onions and then they planted the clover, which was the cover crop with it. Because what happened is the onions will grow up and then the clover will grow up, but then the sun will come and it'll be too hot and it'll kill the clover and the onion will stay behind, right? Theoretically, except for they, they planted it in partial shade. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was like as good as a gasp. Um, not the shade. Uh, um, so when the clover came up, it never got hot enough to kill the clover. And so what happens if you plant something with the cash crop that's not the cash crop, whether it's weeds or grass, the thing that's not the cash crop always wins every time. The weeds always will win. They will take over. They will take all the nutrients. And Jesus is saying this is, this is the kind of, of heart that this is. You know, like you plant the seed of the word and you don't see that the thorns are there, right? Because it's under the surface. And then when it grows up, there's all this, uh, you know, like the cares of the world and pleasure and anxiety. It comes in and it chokes out um, the word. This is a heart. There's a lot of competition in the heart. One of my, I have a, a, a song that I love and there's a line. He says, I have a thousand half loves well worth leaving. This heart has a thousand half loves that compete with Jesus for nutrition, for, for ownership of the heart. And uh, if I can be honest, I see this brand of Christianity fairly often. Often I am um, I, I'm involved in it as well. But this is a type of Christianity where we assume that Jesus is supposed to make us happy and fulfilled and fix our problems. Like that's what Jesus is here for. He's here to make me happy and joyful. And when I'm not joyful, then there's a problem. Like something's missing and I need to sort of get amped up again. This is like the... Uh, the high school football player that gets the injection in his knee, you know, just to get out there and keep going again. He gets something to get back on the field, but eventually that knee's going to give out. Um, this brand of Christianity sort of believes that spiritual maturity is always feeling encouraged or joyful or happy. And if you're feeling low, what you need is to get pumped up on a worship experience. Or you need to listen to that sermon that's so, so good for you again. To get yourself back into a place of spiritual sort of sunshine. And that that's how you know you're doing okay. I hate that so much because I see you guys dying. Because you're not okay. And you can't understand that Jesus is like, I'm okay that you're not okay. I'm working on that. And you're like, I got to get back into shape to be okay. Um, like, this is the kind of Christian that a lot of us want to be on Instagram. Um, like, this is the, uh, like, coffee and Bible at 6 a.m. Like, don't laugh, because I've seen all of you guys, your coffee and Bible Instagrams. You've probably seen mine. Um, reading, the co- reading, the, reading the coffee and drinking the Bible. Um, uh, I'm pro-coffee, and I'm obviously pro-Bible, and um, I think you should do it in the morning. It's great. I have to do it before my kids get up. Okay, because I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and for me, I feel a little bit of tension when I'm like trying to read the Bible and I'm also thinking about how to strangle somebody, and so I try to get that in before my kids get up. But that's the person we want to be—the person that's always okay, that, that wakes up every morning, and goes, 
God, I'm just ready for what you have for me today. And if you're not that person, you're feeling insecure and bad about your relationship with Jesus. And I would say, RUF, we love the church. Okay? This is why you need the church, the local church. Yes, in Boone. Yes, while you're a student. Yes, right now. Yes, this Sunday. Because you get to be with all kinds of people that are having a radically different Christian experience than yourself. Like people that have like lost their husband or wife or a child. And you get to watch them walking with Jesus. And realize, like, I don't have to be sunshiny all the time. That's not what my relationship with Jesus is built on. Because what happens is eventually you run out of gas. Because you can't keep giving yourself that knee injection every week. At some point, you just can't get up anymore. And your effort runs out. Um, or you will, you will find the guy, girl, job, cause, party that makes you feel more happy and fulfilled than Jesus. And then you'll go, I was really descended for the fulfillment, man. If you ain't got it, I'll go get it over here. If you don't know that that's true, ask some seniors. They will tell you that you can find things that will fulfill you and feel more exciting to you than Jesus. So for the, for the uh, thorny soil, they, we miss the message for a thorny soil because we let so many things compete with Jesus in our heart. He's part of the equation, but he's not the equation. And I belabor all that to say none of these outcomes. See, when you, so some of you guys would be thinking right now, okay, but where on here am I a Christian? Like, where on here can I go like, yeah, well, I'm not on the rocks. I'm thorny, but I'm not on the rocks. I'm probably okay. Jesus' point is, look, none of these things are bearing fruit. If you plant a garden and you get a bunch of plants and none of them bear fruit, you're not feeling good about the situation. These crops are all a failure, in a sense, to Jesus. And they're real. That you can be very involved with Jesus and have a lot of spiritual things going on and completely miss it. I know of a pastor who was a pastor for many years, and then he became a Christian, and his name was John Wesley, and he started Methodism. So it is possible. He is more spiritual than you and me, because he lived 300 and something years ago. So um, we miss the message by being hard, by keeping Jesus superficial, and by allowing competing interests into our heart. Okay? So how do we get it? Okay? We're going to bring this thing into focus and bring it down. Um, Here's what a lot of you guys are thinking at this point. You're like, the point of this passage is, here's all these ways to not be. So don't be these kinds of bad soils. Instead, be this good soil. And what you're expecting from me is for me to tell you how to be the good soil. This is what Christianity is about. Don't be this thing. Instead, be this thing. Jesus never tells anybody to do anything in this passage. Really interesting. The only thing he says to do is, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the only thing he tells us to do. It's interesting because he goes, look, a lot of these people aren't going to get it. If you don't have ears to hear it, you're going to miss it. So watch how you're listening. Um, But basically what Jesus is doing is he's saying, look, I'm going to throw out these soils. I'm going to let you see them. And the implication is, where are you on this spectrum? What kind of soil are you? I have my boss in RUF. I still haven't figured out this thing. Uh, He was like, one time we were hanging out, he was like, you know, Chris, some people overwork and some people underwork. And then like it's moved on to like some other topic. (laughs) And I was like, well, I, uh, do I overwork? Am I underworking? I kind of feel like I'm doing both. Um, 
he was basically just asking me to be self-reflective about how much I'm working. And Jesus is saying, take some stock of where you are. Because look, here's the, here's the, here's the secret. The secret of the good soil isn't that the good soil does so much. The secret about the good soil isn't what the soil, good soil does. The secret of the good soil is what the good soil doesn't do. The good soil doesn't interfere with the work of the seed. The path stops the seed from going down. The rock stops the seed from making root. The thorny soil chokes out the seed. The good soil just accepts the seed. It allows the seed to do its work. It doesn't get in the way. The heart that allows the seed to do the work that, is, it, it, that it's going to do, that is the good seed. Uh, I, I have to get this minor outpatient surgery. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, we'll talk later when no one else is listening. And um, my doctor told me, he prescribed me one Xanax, which I thought was like a weird prescription. Um, and he said, I want you to take this beforehand because the more relaxed you are, the more relaxed I'm going to be. And you want me to be relaxed. And I was like, I will absolutely take that Xanax. Um, the reason why, you know, like he was like, I don't want you interfering. I want you to chill out and just rest and just accept what's happening here. The reason why the bad heart soils don't work is because they assert their will on the seed. And the Bible doesn't teach us that Christians are super spiritual, um, particularly committed and impressive people. Okay? I don't know if like, you feel like I'm a Christian, that's how you feel. If you're not a Christian, you're like, yeah, obviously. Um, we're not particularly spiritual or committed or impressive. A Christian is merely a person who takes a look in the mirror and goes, the thing that I see, I think Jesus brings more to the table than I do. The what he's able to do is better than what I'm able to do on my own effort. And that good heart soil allows Jesus to work in them through his word. Um, I learned this from listening to This American Life. If you don't listen to This American Life, you should. Um, I was going to say something more strong than that, but I couldn't think of anything. Um, when Japan occupied China in World War II, which happened about 80 years ago, that point, um, they had these, uh, these work camps. Like, not quite concentration camps, but 70 years ago. Don't check my math. Come on, man. Um, and uh, they had these internment camps, these work camps. And they would take, they had Chinese folk in there, but there was also a lot of American and British people that lived in China, and they couldn't just be allowed to just live out there, so they would take them and round them up and put them in these camps during the war. And at this one camp, they had rounded up a bunch of American and British children that were at boarding school in China. Okay? They round them up, they take them to this camp. And these children don't have their parents, but what they do have is their teachers. Okay? Everywhere else is, how many people are Girl Scouts or were Girl Scouts? Don't be ashamed. Okay? I see those hands. Okay. Everywhere else in the world, Girl Scouts are called Girl Guides. Did you guys know that? Okay? They're called Girl Guides. What the teachers did was when they took them to this basically concentration camp, they gathered up all their Girl Guide stuff, all their merit badges and all their uniforms and all the curriculum, and they took it to the work camp where they're basically starving and working, and they did Girl Scouts in the camp. Like, they would get merit badges for who could, like, heat up their little pot-bellied stove to be the, to be the reddest. And then you would get a merit badge, and you would win for that. Um, because they were trying to preserve these children's humanity, right? Of course. Um, but I was really moved by this story. This woman, her name is Mary Previtt. She was one of the children 
And this is what she said. She said, for example, one of the things we did was we sang when the Japanese were marching us into the concentration camp. We sang the first verse of Psalm 46. God is our refuge, our refuge and our strength. In trouble we will not be afraid. All these words just sung into our hearts. That sticks. It's like you got a groove sticking into a gramophone record. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. And that was just profound. The good soil allows Jesus' word like that to be sung into your heart, to sink down deep into your heart, and to begin to make a groove in your heart that reminds you, I am safe. I am safe. So, here's the takeaway. Back to the beginning. Statistically and biblically, there's going to be a lot of different responses to God's word in this room tonight. Okay? Understood. Um, here's, the, here's, the, here's the takeaway. Why is it that that happens? The reason why people don't respond well to Jesus is because our soil isn't very good. Your soil isn't very good. It isn't particularly capable of housing Jesus and letting Jesus do his thing. This morning, I really needed this because I had a hard couple days. Um, I was reading this Puritan prayer, and it's called Heart Corruption. So I'm going to read it to you. Maybe you can relate to it. It says, I am utterly ashamed that I am what I am in myself. I have no green shoot in me, nor fruit, but thorns and thistles. I am a fading leaf that the wind drives away. I live bare and barren as a winter tree, unprofitable, fit to be hewn down and burnt. Lord, dost thou have mercy on me? The Christian understands, I'm a mess. I'm unprofitable. I don't have a shoot. I don't have a fruit. Jesus, will you have mercy on me? So my first part of the closing sort of argument here is is cheer up. You are worse than you think. (laughs) And the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, allows you to go... It's probably worse than I think. I am a mess. I'm not particularly... Like last week, I was saying God gives us worth, but not because we're worthy. He doesn't love us because we're lovely. We're lovely because He loves us. Best case scenario, you are thorny, distracted, competing interests in your heart. Okay? So cheer up. Your soil is worse than you think, but here's the other part of that. I want you to leave tonight knowing that the seed is really, really, really good. That in Jesus, you can be more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. Because Jesus says, my message and my life is like a seed. In John 12, Jesus says, it's time for the Son of Man to be taken up. And listen to what he says. Unless, I truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus fell to the ground and died. And the fruit that he is bearing is eternal life. For anyone that will rest and receive him. And I'm looking at a room full of successful, attractive, like people of tons of potential. And I'm telling you what Jesus has for you is better than what you have for yourself and what he's calling you to do, whether you're hard, whether you're distracted, whether you're superficial, is to rest and to cling to Jesus, to allow him to work in and through you. Where are you tonight? Could you talk about it in a small group? 
Could you share an experience with other students in a small group? And just hear other experiences and be vulnerable with them. Could you invite someone to lunch or let someone invite you to lunch? And just talk about it. I hope you will. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace, mercy, and peace extended to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you fell to the ground and you died so that you would bear much fruit. And Lord, we are that fruit if we abide in you. Lord, it's a hard word to hear that we're going to respond differently to you. But Lord, I know that you by your spirit know how to meet us where we are. That you love us. That you invite us in with you. Lord, would you help us to take stock of ourselves, to see our sin, and to run to you. Because that would be by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name.